Hello, and welcome to the B2B Video Lab, a podcast about video in B2B. The first guest is John Franco from the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76. My guest today is John Franco, one of the founders of an amazing agency, Gorilla76. John, pleasure to have you on the podcast. I'm very excited to talk to you today. It's great to be here, Matt. I'm, it, it's my honor. Now, for the benefit of those people in the audience that don't know what your company does and what your sort of background is, would you like to give us a quick overview of what Gorilla is about, what you do, and the clients that you service? Gorilla76 was founded in 2006. It was probably about 2011, 2012. We started to really hone in on industrial marketing. Fast forward till 2023, we are the industrial marketing agency. We help B2B manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. Primarily, the work we're doing is web-based. Still a little print here and there, but yeah, really trying to help our clients grow on that online ecosystem. John, I caught up with you after you posted on LinkedIn about your company culture, and notably that you believed in promoting people until they felt they were ready for more challenges and, uh, and they couldn't get it with you and they should move on and leave. I wondered what it was that inspired you to take on that company culture. So my focus at Gorilla is on the people, the hiring, firing culture, that whole employment experience. And we want to be the best in industrial marketing. In order to be the best, you got to be able to hire the best. Once you hire the best, you have to be able to retain the best as long as possible. But whenever you have a group of really talented people, which I'm not joking, our, our team across the board are all A players. At some point, it comes to a head, and there's only so much opportunity for the A players, and they have to have opportunities elsewhere at some point in order for them to grow in their career. So I think a challenge for me, which I, I've embraced, and I still get, I don't want to say angry, that's the wrong word. I'm still bummed out anytime someone turns in their notice or is exploring elsewhere, but I've learned that employment is a chapter in someone's bigger story at a certain company. And the days of someone starting somewhere and retiring are pretty much over. There, there are those unique cases. And I, we've got a couple at Gorilla that, that have been here a long time, and I hope they continue to stay with us. But I think we have to be open to change and know that it's inevitable. When you hire talented people, they are going to get opportunities. And I think the best thing we can do is support them in that. We have a few programs. If someone gives us notice early that they are indeed in the search, I think the number set at six weeks right now, we give them a raise to, to essentially quit because it, it gives us time to find the replacement. It gives us time to make sure there's smooth onboarding and offboarding between the new person and the person departing. It helps our clients. And so if we can help employees grow and if we can help them in their journey, it's only going to be a better experience for everyone. And a lot of times we have three boomerang employees right now, people that have left and then have come back and now are working for us again. So it's like, why burn that bridge? Encourage that growth, have them go out, think of that as a chapter in itself. And then hopefully they come back and they bring back a whole bunch of new learning. So I think it's just been trying to be more open-minded about it all. That sort of incredibly progressive view to take within your company is reflected almost entirely in the video that you've posted yourself on the front of your company website, which gives a very compelling backstory to you as an individual. And I wondered why you took a position of posting that story because it's very personal. It didn't make me feel sad. It made me feel inspired. And I wonder if those sort of hardships that you've encountered have inspired your endeavors within your company. 
Yeah. So I, I believe what, what you're referring to is my video about me working at Gorilla, but a big part of my story is getting diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, January 15, 2016. It was a diagnosis I really struggled with at first. A friend of mine recommended reading a Viktor Frankl book, Man's Search for Meaning, which if you haven't read it, it the book changed my life. But basically it was this idea of taking a negative and how it can help shape our story and how we can find meaning in it and how we can use it to move the human experience forward. And so I think just by being vocal about it, and it's not the only thing I talk about, it's not my life, it's not who I am, it's a part of who I am, and it'll be a part of who I am and until we find a cure or my days on this planet are over. But I think I wanted my team to know, and I want my future teammates to know, and anyone who's looking at that video that being authentic to who you are and trying to find opportunity in the negative is really a empowering way to live. Like you said, love hearing that it didn't make you sad because that's not the purpose. The purpose is to maybe make you think I'm going to be vocal about something because there's somebody else that, that is struggling with something that you have defeated or you have figured out how to deal with that hearing that story will help them. And that was a big part of my healing process or my ongoing healing process was hearing from others that had MS They've had it for 20 or 30 years, but are, are still running marathons, or maybe they are in a wheelchair, but they're, they found a beautiful way to look at that, that chapter of their life, so to speak, and have used it to, to better the world for others. It demonstrates right from the get-go, you've got authenticity embedded into your company because you've taken a very personal story and, in, and it sort of emboldened you to become the sort of inspiration that you have to your fellow workers, which is really great. I wondered, why did you take the choice to, to make that video so prominent for your company? Did you feel like it sort of encouraged people to consider you as an individual, as part of the company? What motivated that? I think part of it is, and we're building out bio videos for all of our employees, because again, we work in a pretty remote setting at this point. We still have an office lease, but we're letting it go. And we've embraced this virtual work from anywhere. I'm in my apartment right now. It gives people a chance to meet us when we're not both internally, like when we hire a new person, they can go and they can quickly learn more about their teammates. Of course, there's a million other interactions and it's not like they don't get to still talk to people, but we're not in an office anymore. It helps paint a picture for our clients of who we are as people, potential clients, potential hires, et cetera. But I was one of the first videos we did myself and my business partner, if I remember correctly. And I just, it's become such a part of my leadership story, I think, that it's just unavoidable. And it's something I just feel is important to share. Additionally, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where it, I think it starts to create the environment that being vulnerable is okay. Again, everyone has their struggles and there's nothing wrong with being private about things either. I think it's just the way that I choose to handle it is be a little more public about it and hopefully just create a space where other people feel more comfortable. Maybe what you said, I think it makes us authentic. I think it makes us relatable. At the end of the day, that's what we want to be because I think that's who we are. So your agency became very specialized working in the industrial and manufacturing niche. What was it about that sector that drew you in? Why does it why was it something that you concentrated on? There's a few reasons. I'd be lying if I said when we started our business, that's what we were going after. Like any business, when we first started, we were trying to survive. And based off some contacts I had and some contacts my business partner had, we started to just get work in the industrial space. 
that work led to more work, referrals, et cetera. And we just started seeing our business grow in that direction. As we explored it more, what we learned were these are great clients to work with. There's a ton of opportunity. They're often getting ignored. It's not the sexy work, so to speak, that I think a lot of people, when they think of advertising, they think of the ads they see when they turn on a soccer match or on, a, on the Super Bowl. But there's a whole other level of business that, or a whole other type of business that needs marketing. And we discovered it was vastly underserved. So it's been a great space for us to be in. Our employees enjoy it. Every day we learn something totally new about a product that many of us probably touch or use in our day-to-day life, but didn't even know it existed really. And it's cool to kind of discover those things and learn more about how, or learn more about the things that make the world go round. You've got some really great video resources associated with your brands and you've exposed some of your own vulnerability. I wondered whether you had a method to encourage your customers to share their personal experience with you. I'm talking particularly about Davron Tech, one of your customers who granted you a testimonial video, which you use on your website. And they talk very openly about how you changed the way that they were operating and how through your work, you've brought additional business to them by doing what you did. So I wondered, how did you get them to expose that underperformance and then tell their story about what you did? What did you nudge them through? A big part of our philosophy is working with good companies and good clients, we have fired our fair share of clients because they don't want to necessarily work the way that we believe is the best way to work according to our philosophies. But Davron is in that top like 1%. They're just great people, great client. But to answer your question, the best way that we have learned to tell stories is to hire people that are professionals at telling stories. Whenever I hire writers, I'm always looking for people with a journalism background. Those long-form journalists that have written in newspapers, that have written in like investigation or those types of pieces, what they're masters at is asking the question and then asking the question again and then asking it from another angle and then knowing how to use silence in an interview because no one likes silence. And when you're silent, the people will keep talking. So they're just masters at the interview. And I think that's what allows us to get the content that is a little more unique. I think it allows us to get a lot deeper. And I have to give all credit to our writing team. I really loved that video and particularly some of the imagery in it. It talked to something inside me. In your business, you've adopted techniques which are very forward looking. And Aaron, in the Davron Tech video that I've just referred to, he talks about how you encouraged their organization to adopt demand generation techniques And I wondered, at Gorilla, how many of your staff have got buy-in to this technique, which is gaining credibility and force around the world? How did you get your team behind that method? I think we just have a culture of innovation here. We really believe in our core values and live by them. And I know that's something that a lot of companies say, but maybe it feels like it stops as soon as it comes out of a mouth or it's written on a piece of paper. But ours are results, improvement, relationships, kindness, and inclusivity. And when it comes to improvement, they're all directly tied to each other, but we are a culture of innovation. Almost to the point, I had a meeting this morning where a change fatigue is something that happens at Gorilla because we're constantly like in beta. Like even what we're working on right now, we're already trying to think of how we can fix it. And when you're on the production side of things, you're the person doing the work. That can be frustrating because you're like, I finally have this figured out. It's working. And then, oh, now we're changing how we do it. But demand generation is one of those tools that, marketers have done this for years. Like content marketing was the buzzword 10 or 15 years ago. Content marketing has been going on since the first catalog was ever sent out with 
items in it. Or think of Patagonia, a clothing brand. Like they, they had a beautiful catalog that of course it had their products, but it also had stories about mountain climbers and that's content marketing. It's been going on forever. Demand generation is no different. By hiring the right people, I think they're always buying into what we're doing. Yeah, I think we probably frustrate people at times. Some of the change frustrates me, to be honest, because I'm like, wait, I just figured this out. But I think that's why we're still here today. If we would have stuck with the way we were doing business when we started it in 2006, we'd probably be out of business. Or if not out of business, it wouldn't be what it is today. I also, I got to rewind on something. I was giving all of our writers credit about the interviewing questions earlier. And I know we're, this is to talk about video. And one of the biggest skills that our videographer, Nick has, he joined us in 2000, 2020, summer of 2020. That was the first time we made a video hire at Gorilla. But he's a master at interviewing as well, which is interesting coming from the guy with the camera. Like I think a lot of times <laughs> you think of the person with the camera as more of just the person there executing, capturing things. But he's an expert at making the subjects feel comfortable and making them feel like they can be open and they can talk and, you know, Hey, it's okay. We can go back and edit things. Like just be here and be yourself. I think that's a huge part of that as well. Yeah. He definitely does a great job. He's a good hire. You must be keeping him. You're obviously encouraging creators within the company. And I wondered, is there a sort of developmental ethos that you've got? I know Joe Sullivan, your co-founder, he's got the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, which I'd recommend listeners to, to go and listen to. Is there an ease with which you can encourage other team members to create their own content, podcast or video? There's an enthusiasm in the company to engage with content creation amongst all your employees. Absolutely. And so... We do a lot of content creation on LinkedIn as individuals. I think even the people who don't use these things would absolutely say like the ones who are really building a presence for themselves or building a brand for themselves. We just lost an employee that was with us for 18 months. Absolutely exceptional. She got a absolutely exceptional job opportunity. And I, am, I'm, I would bet 99% of it is because of her presence on LinkedIn. She's a powerhouse on LinkedIn. People notice anything she posts is getting 100, 150 reactions, getting 30 or 40 comments. There's dialogue. Wow. Obviously, it, the, that brand has taken off. Now, it, that can also, we're, we have people doing a lot of TikTok work right now. I have no idea what I'm doing on TikTok. I get on a couple times a day and I'm like, <laughs> I need to figure this out, but I don't understand it. But yeah, I think we always encourage people to use these tools. We also don't set a lot of boundaries. I have friends that work in the finance space and anything they write, they have to send it. It has to get approved before it can go out, even on their personal accounts. And I understand why, but at the same time, like nothing stifles creativity than an approval process. So our approach is more like do it. If we need to slap somebody's hand or say, this is your personal account, but We'd prefer you not to talk about things this way or that way. Like, we'll do it. And we have, we have had to have those conversations, but it's been rare. And I think the positives far outweigh the negatives. Because at the end of the day, if somebody's going to get on social media and torpedo your company with a video or whatever, you're going to do it anyway. Like, you can't stop them and they're going to. That's a very progressive and grown up approach from an agent. It's lovely to hear. You're doing to my generation yourself, company-wide because you've got podcasts, you've got the Industrial Learning Center, which is on your website. In fact, you've got so much content. Is it difficult keeping a handle on what marketing's winning? 
So we have built, we use the same tools that, and again, I can talk to this from like probably about a hundred thousand foot view, just cause I'm not in the weeds, but we treat ourselves like a client. Like we are gorilla 76 has an ongoing kind of cadence content plan, all the things that a regular client has. We recently did the math. And if we were paying for our own services, I want to say it was like a 250 or $300,000 a year plan. Wow. which most of our clients are like 150 to 200,000 a year type of situation. So we're putting resources, but we measure it. And the tools we're using, it's depending on what we're trying to measure, but it's the HubSpot CRM, it's Google Analytics. There's a suite of tools that we use for our clients that we also use for ourselves. And I think that's made a huge difference. It's also a nice sandbox for us to play in and test things to do R&D. It's okay if we use them on ourselves and it doesn't end up working. We try something out on a client and it doesn't work. That's not always ideal. I'd rather go to them with the things we know are going to work. So it's a great place for us to experiment as well. That must be really encouraging for your clients because if they've got the opportunity to see your team members trialing and experimenting content ideas in your time, that's not their money that's getting spent. That must make them feel like you talk the talk and walk the walk. But I wondered... Was there any techniques that you've adopted for clients that, that have really stood out as successful that maybe you hadn't expected? I think this is something that I was thinking about as we were like coming into this call, but just the idea that like one video, for instance, like if we do a video project, a lot of people think, oh, like, why would I spend? Because to do video right, A, it's not as, it's much, much more accessible than it was, right? Back in the day, it was all right, no matter what, it's 20, 25, 30 grand, just even think about doing a video, but let's say even if it is 20 or 25 grand, you can do it for a lot less than that, but let's say even that, and that's a two minute video, that's fine, but you could probably get eight 15 second videos out of that as well. So breaking something bigger into micro content, that's a tactic we've used a lot. So we'll shoot a big video for a company, but then we'll break out like those great quotes, those great little excerpts, and then we'll use those as separate videos to then put paid money behind on social media and to use in that demand gen sense. So again, like thinking about for a client, yes, we have this big piece now and this is the hero video or this might live on the homepage or this might live on the whatever about us page, but let's also figure out all these smaller pieces. You have it at timestamp 35 second mark. You have an employee that works there talking about how this career changed their life. Well, let's turn that into a little video that we put on the hiring page or anytime we post a job posting, seeing somebody that works there saying, this is the best place I've ever worked. That's pretty powerful. So learning yeah. how to pull out those little, those smaller stories within the bigger story, I think has been a tactic that's been really positive. Now, your company specializes in supporting the industrial and manufacturing space. And I know from my experience, because I work in that space here in the UK and Europe, that a lot of the companies can be family-owned. They can be traditional companies, maybe a little bit resistant to change. How do you and your team really encourage those traditional family-orientated companies to adopt new techniques and specifically video and others? So from the initial hiring, pro or from them hiring us, essentially, from that process early on, it's very apparent that we are not going to come in with a traditional playbook. And that weeds a lot of the people that we have to have those conversations like out early on. If somebody comes to us and says, I need a trade show booth designed 
we're going to be like, why? We're not, we'll help you find somebody, but if you want to hire us, let's figure out what that digital component is. So a lot of the people are weeded out. That said, and I love our clients to death, but you are exactly right. They are a lot of times are a little bit behind the curve, which is, there's so much opportunity for us. And that's, it's pretty cool because I think we can come in quickly and make a pretty big splash and have a pretty big impact right off the bat. But now I do think as we're seeing new leadership in some of these companies, as some of the legacy people are transitioning out, you get some newer perspectives and those people are maybe a little more open to change. Just as when I, somebody, I'm becoming that person in my company. I was just talking about TikTok. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't really figure this out, but I have people that are, that do know how to do it and they're doing it really well. So try, try to keep an open mind in that case. And I think the types of clients we work with have similar leadership to Gorilla in that you know, they may not understand why they're doing something, but they've trusted the people that are in charge of it to let them do the work that they need to do. With the sort of traditional outlook some of your customers have, how do you encourage them to start using video and video in the whole of the funnel for their marketing? I think anytime we're trying to encourage our customers with anything, it's reminding them in a nice way, in a polite way that we are the experts. Just like when I go to my multiple sclerosis specialist doctor, I'll go in with, hey, I read about this. I was, And he's very good at being like, I hear you, but I also study this and I'm like very intelligent and understand these things. I'm the expert here. This is what I think we should do. So I think that's part of it. In terms of video, particularly, it's just, it's, you can't argue with the data. You can't argue with the fact that the amount of time that people are spending on YouTube or the explosion of something like TikTok, like that TikTok's in a, it, it is kind of an amazing case, not even case study, but just story. When you step back, it's vertical format. It's Often, like the more unpolished to a certain extent, almost the more credible it is, the more authentic it is. And it's a platform that's exploding. So I think it's just, just look around. I think people want quick. They want things they can listen to or have on in the background while they're doing something else. The days of just sitting down and reading, I think they've changed. And I think anytime you can illustrate that with video or with something that's maybe just a little more engaging, it's always positive. And I th also think it creates an authenticity, like the Davron video, which we've talked about. We could tell you all those things, but seeing and listening to one of our customers telling you that, that's pretty powerful. The alternative to that is a written testimonial. I don't know. Did they actually say it? Did we fudge it? With video, it's coming straight out of their mouth. You see it. Yes. So I think that's where that's just, it's such a powerful tool that once our clients get past the fact that it takes some time on their end, if they're going to sit down and go through the process and it's not the cheapest format, but once they get past that, it's such a valuable tool. Your company brand is about disrupting. And so you're adopting new methods and you've spoken about how you've got employees that are engaging with TikTok. How do you balance the need to innovate for your clients, particularly in video marketing, but then the risk of failure on newer platforms? I think it goes back to just that idea of we use ourselves a lot of times as our own like sandbox, our own research and development. And if it works for us, it doesn't mean that it's always going to work for the clients, but just like our clients are in the business to business space, so are we. Granted, we're not in the industrial space, but a lot of the commonalities are the same between business to business. It's a lot of times a long sales cycle. It's something where people want to, it's a height, 
it's a high cost item. So they want to do lots of research. I think anytime something works well for us, there's a decent chance it's going to work for our clients. And a lot of our clients hire us because we are willing to try to push the envelope a little or try something new. We have one client that literally has told me, your job is to keep me on the other edge of innovation. Like, so if wow. we need to try something crazy and we have tried crazy things and they haven't worked. I don't know if you remember a long time ago, there was a, there was like an online community called Second Life where it was like, it was almost like the Sims, but it was, there right. were, you, you could create anything. You could create your own characters and businesses. It was really yeah. weird looking back, but this company was in the space of building. So it made sense for us to be like, all right, this platform is going to take off. Let's explore what it would be like if we started building the buildings we built in real life, if we started building them on this second life. Long right. story short, it was a short-lived experiment. It didn't go far. <laughs> the weirdos came over to Second Life. It got real weird in there. And we're like, all right, this probably isn't where we want to be. But I think those are the types of things where it's like, let's explore what else is out there. I wonder, some people recently is coming back to YouTube. It's becoming popular again with companies. There's the fact that YouTube is one of the largest search engines. People go there to look for solutions. Is there a way that you sometimes reflect back and look at strategies that have been used and recycle them? Is there anything that comes to mind that you, you go back and go, do you know what? There's still mileage in this and we could be still doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Both from an overall tactical level that happens Things we've done in the past, maybe we'll put on pause, but then we'll come back and look at them. Also like literal content pieces we've written or videos we've done where it did really well. Maybe some of the principles have changed. Let's write an updated post. Let's write, hey, and we call that in, in marketing, we call that evergreen content because it's content that just year after year, it's still relevant. I don't think there's anything wrong with recycling, recycling things you've already done adding that modern spin to it, say, hey, this is the updated 2023 version on this. I think that's actually being really responsible and I would encourage people to do it. I'm really encouraged by some of the innovations that companies in your space are making, but I wondered if you had an opinion on some of these new concepts like AirMeet and Crowdcast, where in real life events are becoming more online. Have you had making in real life events online successful for you? Maybe using the example of AirMeet or Crowdcast. Something that came out of the pandemic that has been probably one of our, it's a massive, massively powerful tool we have right now, but it's twice a month. It's called Industrial Marketing Live. And essentially people can sign up and then they get, they're on the email list, but then they get invited to these live sessions we put on. One's on a Tuesday, one's on a Thursday, again, twice a month. Started out, it was our team going a deep dive about something, paid ads on Facebook, how to make your in-person trade show relevant online. Again, just different topics we're talking about constantly. I think at this point we have, and I, I'm sure I'm going to get the number wrong, but I believe we're north of 500 people that have signed up for this to get wow. to, on this list. Every week or every time we have one of these sessions, we're probably getting 50 to 75 people showing up live. We invite them on stage, so to speak. They can ask their questions. We've been having guests come on. From that, we have built a Slack community. So oh. when we're not doing one of the live sessions, there's on, there's messages probably happening today where people are sharing different ideas and whatever. And again, these are all industrial marketers. We've also used that content to create a second podcast, The Manufacturing Marketer. And then we've also posted all, everything on YouTube. So again, it's that idea of one asset you have and thinking about all the places it can live and all the additional mileage you can get out of it. 
you're obviously really embedded with the idea of using video for yourself and for your clients. So I just wondered if you could take a wildcard question here. You do a lot of charity work. That's part of who you are as John Franco. It's part of you within your organization. And I wonder how often do the skills that you've brought from your business, do they cross over and do you use them to the benefit of the charities and organizations that you help? A ton. I really do not like to brag. I did when I was younger. I was a little cocky actually, but I still have that, but I try not to be, I try not to <laughs> brag. But I do think somewhere that I've done really well with my fundraising for the MS Society. And for myself, I have a social, like a content strategy. I have, we've done some video work. I do an email campaign. Again, these are all things I've learned and it's all, none of it's promotional. It's all authentic. It's me just updating people like, hey, this month I've run this many miles. I'm training for, I'm actually training for the London Marathon in April. So I'll be coming over your direction. But again, just telling that story, sharing the injury update, sharing the mileage, whatever it is. And it's, I've probably, to, since I've been diagnosed in 2016, I've probably been part of probably close to over 300,000 that I've raised. Wow. We did a run last year where another guy and I, we ran a hundred miles. We raised 130,000 last year just on one run. But again, yeah. it's come from us just telling our story. And again, using our tools that we all have, the social media, video, et cetera, to just get that story out there. As a video professional, I look at it and I think I can see the work that goes in. You obviously connect to your audience. It's great that you're using your skills from your agency and the charities and organizations you support. And that is an amazing amount of money to have raised. That's really prolific. Now, so I'm going to do the boasting for you. Guerrilla 76 is an agency that specializes, as you've said, in an unsexy space for some. There's something I empathize with you. I've been stood in many quarries, construction sites, demolition yards with the rain popping down the back of my collar thinking, this is why I'm earning the money. But what, Gorilla 76, what, your agency, what does the future hold for your agency? How are you excited for the future? What's the future for John Franco? I, what excites me is knowing that our future based off who we are as a company, the people we've employed, I know that tomorrow we're going to be better than we are today. And the day after that, we're going to be stronger. We have consistently gotten better and stronger, and that's all measured with actual data. That's not me just saying it. We've made more money. Employees are staying longer than they've ever been. Net promoter scores are the highest it's ever been. Like we are, things are getting better. Do we take steps back? Of course. I think generally it's two or three steps forward, one step back. That gets me excited. I also, I take a ton of pride in the fact that I'm helping people in their lives. And we have created a source of good income for people and that we're giving a place where people can learn and grow. Like that excites me. Marketing still excites me, but there's bigger things than marketing. And in my mind, that's like another human's life. And I think we've got a really strong focus on that as a company. And that gets me really excited. Now, if anybody out there is looking for an example of how a company embeds video in everything that they do and everything they do for their clients, then I would recommend that you go and look at Gorilla76. Their website is fantastic. They've got some amazing assets for you to follow. John, where is the best place for people to find out about you and where can they learn more about your organization, especially the clients you're looking for in America? Where could your American clients come looking for you? 
Absolutely. Gorilla76.com. So Gorilla, like the animal, G-O-R-I-L-A, 76.com. can connect with me on LinkedIn, John, J-O-N, Franco, F-R-A-N-K-O. And yeah, we try to use video. And honestly, for as much as we've talked about video, I have all video credit at Gorilla goes to Nick Tacconi, who is our videographer. The guy is incredibly talented. And ever since bringing him on staff, he's just taken it to another level. So I'm going to put links to your agency in the show notes. And for anybody that wants to follow up, I'd thoroughly recommend you go and visit John's website. John, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast and learning a bit about how you run Gorilla 76. And uh, I look forward to seeing you when you come across to London. You got it. I appreciate it. Thanks very much for listening to B2B Video Lab. Sign up and subscribe for more podcasts.